coast and throws it down. Welcome to Coast to Coast, an NBA podcast by the fans for the fans. My name is Chris, and hosting with me is my guy Ronan. Tune in every week as we dive into the hottest content and emerging rumors across the league. Dodgers pulls up three pointer. Don't miss a beat. Whether it's a star on the move or the Knicks acquiring another forward, we got you covered. Zion for four for four! Welcome to the NBA! The game is constantly evolving, and whether it's by the eye test or advanced stats, we'll give you the analysis you need to take your fandom to the next level. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! Sit back and relax. Coast to Coast starts now. What's up and welcome back, everybody. We're here, coast to coast, running back another episode. It's Tuesday. Actually, it's not Tuesday. It's Monday. I barely even know what day it is right now. Rona, my man, you got to set me straight here. It's it's late on a Monday, even later for you. What's going on, man? Get get, get me on track here. It, it feels like I'm, uh, I'm running a back-to-back like the Bulls right now. <laughs> well, I can confirm to you that it is Monday and not Tuesday. It's usually the worst day of the week, but we're here. We're ready to talk some ball. And most importantly, we're ready to talk about the wild, wild Western conference. Yes, sir. We're going to make this Monday a lot better, a lot better. Cause we got to talk about um, some amazing things, some interesting things, some terrible things. It's going to be the the good, bad and ugly out in the West. Um, And let's, let's start with the good. Let's start on a positive note. The wolves are on, I believe a six and two run here D'Lo looks like back to all-star Brooklyn D'Lo he's a plus 23.5 he's even playing defense you even got Jared Vanderbilt being a, a top 10 rebounder of the league right now in the past uh in the past five games I mean across the board this is something to be excited about we've had moments of excitement had a, a lot more questions than answers so far but they're really starting to put it together man yeah, I'm loving what I'm what I'm seeing from the T Wolves. I think they the, the pieces are there, and we're finally seeing it look like a, a legit outfit. It's been a it's been a great little run that they've been on, and the game on on Saturday night was just it was it was unbelievable. Double overtime win in Philadelphia. D'Lo goes for 27 points in the fourth quarter and overtime that included six three pointers. The guy could not miss him and MB just dueling it out. And amazingly D'Lo ultimately came out on top for anyone who didn't get to see that game. This is everything that the the Timberwolves are about getting pieces done, getting things done by everyone on the team and D'Lo stepping up big cat stepping up big and Ant showing off his athleticism. That's everything you need to know about the Minnesota Timberwolves, and it's finally starting to look legit. Let's just hope it keeps it keeps going on that trend. Yeah, man, I, I, I think it's a testament to the team building they've had over the past couple of years that they can have, you know, arguably their, their number one guy right now. Anthony Edwards is right now their number one guy. They can have him go eight for 21 and still win a game like this. They can have multiple guys step up and 
I don't know about multiple right now, but at least having that top three, that's something they haven't enjoyed in a while. And that's something they've been waiting on. That's something they've been patient for uh, D'Lo to show up and do. And man, he's really done it. Um, it's been really difficult. This team has been one of the worst teams facing the drop coverage and having D'Lo finally get his mid-range game back, finally being a better pick and roll operator um, in that in-between game. That's a dynamic that they're going to carry in. The offense has not been good to start. They've been pretty bad for a team that we expected would be, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to say I, I was thinking Nuggets level production, but we were thinking they would have some sort of like cat led um, offense where it was going to be super dynamic and the defense would be a big question, but you know, the, the offense was going to definitely be there. So for them to be right now, a top 10 team on defense, I mean, they're, they're 10th right now and three pointers allowed their third in three opponent, three point, uh, a second, actually in lowest percentage and lowest three point percentage against uh, everyone in the league. They've played some tough games. So the fact that defense looks good now, I mean, how much better can their offense get with these three guys finally clicking and, you know, there seemingly be a place for all of them to share the ball together. Yeah. It's that's, that's the kind of the, the biggest thing. And especially the fact that, they all still have so much more growth. I mean, like you've mentioned before, how Cat needs to take more shots, and that's definitely true. But the fact that Ant has kind of been fairly streaky with his shooting and that, but when mm-hmm. he gets the chance to get in the lane, he is unstoppable. And Delo now is, is showing his ability to be a clutch scorer for this team. It, it's all things point to this team having a real upturning season and with the injuries and different things affecting some of the other teams around them they are absolutely in a good spot to be at, at the very least looking at the playing tournament this year yeah I, I still I still firmly have them at worst being a a 10 seed and with teams like the Nuggets you know struggling um with, with teams like Memphis now in flux with with John being out with the Lakers not being surefire favorites anymore. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of room for them to be not just a 10th seed, maybe ninth, eighth. I mean, they can really push here and it really just comes down to the chemistry that they've shown on the floor. And if the way they're playing right now is indicative of growth and not just some randomness, um, you're absolutely right. I mean, they're going to go more than just that. Um, we, we mentioned them. We want to go across the West here. Uh, we got to move on to Denver. We, we got to talk about um, the news today that Michael Porter Jr. will most likely be out for the season. Um, it's the scary nerve stuff that was rumored to be the source of his back injuries and this reason why he fell so far in the draft. I mean, this guy was the bona fide number one pick, and he fell that far to Denver. What was it, 15? Because of those injuries. Um, so, I mean, it's resurfing itself in such a bad way here. You know, they, they had to make those moves to, to keep him around, but with him out now, PJ Dozier being out, he was a huge guy for Mike Malone and Murray going to be out until at least March. What's Denver's hopes here? And uh, Jokic. That's it. Yeah. Somehow getting better. I don't even know if that's possible because he's just so unbelievably dominant, arguably the He's top the best player in the league right now, right? Like, yeah. yeah. 
that him and Steph Curry, I mean, are, I don't know why everyone's giving like Curry, the, the underdog kind of mantra when Jokic is, I mean, clearly still along with Curry. I mean, the best in the league. Yeah. And he, like, he's showing it. I mean, he's got, what's he 26.4 points, 13.6 boards, 6.4 assists, shooting 59% from the field, 41% from three. I mean, he's already taken over. You're already seeing that his assist levels take a bit of a hit from uh, from last year. So he's already realizing that he's got to have the ball in his hands. He's got to do even more of the, of the scoring already. And it's it's set up to be a real difficult season for Denver. And it's just all going to be about Jokic outside of him. I don't really see them really having that much or really having any chance of of doing much come uh, come the postseason. And this can't change their – I mean, what do you do when you have a guy like Jokic? Because you have two guys around him that were supposed to be the makeup of this core. Um, you can't have a Jokic championship right now unless Michael Porter Jr. is reaching some sort of um, apex at this point and Murray is doing what he was doing in the bubble. I mean, that, that's you don't have a championship besides those two playing at that level. I mean, for if, if MPJ comes back and he's, you know, 60% of what he was last year because of these back issues on 20 million a year, and who knows what Jamal Murray is going to be. I, mean, I think that for a lot of guards um, over the past decade or so, I mean, there's been a lot of evidence to show that players of his play style can bounce back from these type of injuries. But a lot was staked on them for them to actually contend. Now, this isn't championship or bust. I mean, that, that makes things a lot less interesting. But when you got a guy like Jokic, you have a legitimate chance to win a title. And I, I don't know what they can do, but you got to start thinking about if they need to rethink their current structure. Yeah, I mean, M- MPJ's contract, the, the bumper deal that he signed this offseason, that actually starts next season. So I think... I think with them and, and hopefully they'll have Murray back this season. Obviously he's, he's going to take time to, to really get back to any sort of level that he was when he went down. So you're kind of thinking maybe around this time next year is when you're really going to start to, to worry about, about the, the Denver Nuggets and really start to think about, is it time for them to make a move? You, you see what sort of level uh, Michael Porter Jr. comes back with next year. Is he still going to have the back issues? Is this just a problem that's going to persist with him? And hopefully it's not because you hate to see a talented guy go down to injury. And can Murray get back to the level, the the hero ball level he was playing the last the last year or two, like the performances he was putting out in the playoffs? If he can get back to that, the, it, you, next year you're right back. The Denver are right back in the conversation for being the best team in the in the Western Conference. But they're both big if so I think they'll, they'll they'll be willing to kind of write off this season almost but they will need to make a decision early uh, come come the next season on whether or not MPJ and Murray are the guys that they once were and can they be part of a championship team with Jokic yeah and th- those answers need to come much sooner than later um, especially again when you have a guy like Jokic like you don't know you don't know how long you have that every every franchise 
can attest to stories of what ifs and you don't want Jokic's time right now to be a big what if you never know when that next big injury comes you never know when the peak fades and taking advantage of a guy that you can put in the conversation right now as this is the best player in the league and this is potentially a all-timer like you've you've got a you've got a strike now um but you know we, we talk about what they want to do what they should do but realistically you know with these two big injuries with all that money they're not just big ifs it's all that money it's they're big big dollar signs attached to these two question marks and we don't know if there's any flexibility for them to do anything but wait at this point but certainly disappointing for a team that you know we real real expectations for um and got to talk about another expectation um, we we have for Memphis. Maybe yeah, it was just me because <laughs> you know me. I'm always high on the, the Grizzlies. I'm always high on the grit and grind that they've reestablished there. But another injury, and the injury is just coming across the league. Um, Jaw is out for what seems to be <laughs> reported as quote unquote multiple weeks. I, I don't know what that means. I, I don't know what some unidentified knee injury for multiple weeks actually means. A left knee sprain. I don't know. I don't know what the what the diagnosis is there. I mean, hey, you work in a hospital, you 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 know you can't tell you can't tell me what long a left knee sprain takes. Huh? I've I've no idea. I mean, an ACL tear is technically a sprain, so I I don't know if it's an ACL sprain. I mean, it's the same thing as an ACL tear, hmm. but I mean, you didn't like to see him not being able to put any weight on it. And I mean, I guess the multiple weeks versus season ending is, is fine. But I mean, they also said Jaron Jackson Jr. would be ready to go at the beginning of the season last year. And then he was out for like two and a half, three months. Yeah. So I, the, the I, I don't know. I came out afterwards as well. It's in God hands now. He was obviously, uh, he was obviously. Oh my God. <laughs> that was so ominous. Yeah. Like, don't, don't do that. But um I think the question we got to have for them here is, is one, like what happened to their defense? I mean, jaw aside, their defense last year was bona fide top five. They, they could compete any night of the week because they had such a ferocious defense, such a, a sturdy effort. And, you know, the effort's not, not there. It's, it's, it's still there. They're leading They're fourth in the league in steals. They're third in blocks per game. So, I mean, they, they clearly are fighting to create turnovers, but they are just, nearly dead last in almost every other defensive category and especially their defense on the perimeter, which they also struggled with last year. And it seems to be just a, a lack of discipline um, being able to stop teams from just bombard them from three. Um, I, and I don't know how that changes, but that's going to be a huge part. I thought it was going to be a huge part of the season with job, and now it's going to be a huge part of how they actually win without them because multiple weeks, I mean, they could stand to go on a huge skid here if they don't figure out their defense. Yeah, big time. I think uh, that's kind of another element of, of the youth culture. Of it. This is a young team, we, we have to remember. And to, to simplify what you said, really, it's kind of the, the hustle plays, the, the, the steals and the blocks, they're coming through on that end. But kind of the grit and grind, the, the, the areas they need to concentrate on to, to get to the high defensive levels, they're kind of struggling a bit. So that's, that, again, is just a sign of a young team, and you hope that as the season progresses and as time goes on, that that, that will improve, but they kind of need it to happen sooner rather than later, especially with uh, with Jag on down now. Yeah, and I think it should come because, you know, they're not making 
mistakes while being lazy. Like it's not like you're seeing guys um, just miss a rotation because they weren't paying attention. You see a lot where the defense is over collapsing, you know, the defense is being overly aggressive, which, which is a clear reflection of how good they are creating turnovers. But if if they can if they can get their their rotations back on the crisp level they were at last year and on offense, I, I think they're actually they actually might be okay. I, I'm a little less worried on offense because you know they, they have guys. They have Dylan Brooks, who is going to be a welcome recipient of any shot. We know that any shots that are, are for the taking is going to take it. Um, and, you know, in seven games, he's averaging already 18.6 points a game. We just came right back in after his, uh, his absence. He's just jumping right back into the mix. Bain is having a great year, uh, 15.6 points per game this year, two assists. He's shooting 38.5% as a sophomore on 6.5 attempts and these are tough attempts too i mean this dude's got short arms and he's not afraid to be taking contested shots and we'll see what we get from melton and tyus jones um i actually think they might be fine yeah you hope that that, uh triple j can kind of uh step up that little that 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 bit more and find his feet that we we were expecting him to have found from from the from the start of the season yeah i I don't know what's up with him. It it doesn't seem like his his ability to get in the deep post has improved in how it looks. Like he's not getting really set off balance. He has a much improved core strength. You can just tell that he's able to really handle himself against um, bigs in the NBA. And it, it just feels like his skill set on the perimeter hasn't translated to his skill set in the low post. Like his his ability as, as a big to put the ball on the floor and get in the paint from the wing. I mean, that's that's you know, you can't teach that. But in the low post, I mean his his footwork is still super rudimentary. He just really relies on a drop step and baby hooks. And you haven't seen you've seen very few flashes. Like he had this one, he had this one move against uh the Kings blowout the other night where you know he flashed that he, he flashed a spin in the paint. He had the presence of mind to, to pull a fake and let the guy fly by. And he got two defenders off their feet and scored the bucket. I mean, those are things that you want to see from him because he has the athleticism and quickness to do it. You just haven't seen him do it. He, it just doesn't, hasn't really materialized. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's there. It's just let's, let's, uh, let's find it. I think speaking of guys who like scoring inside Zion Williamson has been cleared for, to return to to full practice, my question is: How much does he really want to come and play with this this uh, Pelicans team? I mean, there was already questions before that he went he got injured about his his commitment to the team long term. Now he's coming back to a team that are five and seventeen. What sort of shape is he going to be in? How much passion is he going to be playing with? I think he in his head is he is he already playing somewhere else. I don't know. I can't, I can't speculate on that. And I, and I don't want to speculate on it because I feel like everyone has done so and really made the narrative for him. But I mean, what I will say is that this is a pretty big moment for the caliber of player that we think he is. Mm-hmm. If Zion comes into this situation and he plays well, but the, but the, Pel- but the Pelicans don't make a difference and they're still losing at the rate that they are, I think that's going to have a huge impact on how we view him 
as a potential top 10 player. Cause I, I think last year, the year before that, I mean, we're like just waiting for some things to change in the rankings for him to eventually be a top 10 player. Mm-hmm. But I think if, if he's not really able to make a big difference with Brandon Ingram there with the young guys that they have there, then I don't, I don't think they're going to be able to consider him as a true you know, a superstar yet. I think he would take a step back in terms of where he stands in the league. So that's going to be huge, a huge Otis on him to make an instant impact. See what he was doing last year. I mean, I think he can improve on a lot, but off an injury, it'll be tough. Yeah, especially and especially with the the, the weight problems he's always had coming off a big injury like this. Who knows what sort of shape he's going to be in. Yeah, there's such an interesting, uh, he had an interesting interview last week where he was asked about the perceptions of his of his uh, physical fitness. And like, I was really expecting like a strong answer to, I mean, to defend himself and be like, you know, I, I need to be at this way because I'm like, this is my ideal athletic weight, blah, 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 blah. But I mean, I think he was pretty honest in saying like, um, you know, like I, I'm usually this weight and like, but there are times that I, I notice that if I'm hitting a certain weight that, you know, I, I can't make a certain move or I can't move as fast. So like, just blindly admits that he definitely has noticed even himself, like how he feels like he's lost a step and the weight that he's gained. So I, I hated speculate the speculation on it. Cause it just, it felt ridiculous at times, but for him to just admit it himself um, and say like, you know, as like time goes on, like I'll figure it out. Like a wishy-washy response like that in an open admission just feels like he still doesn't take it seriously. Um, yeah, yeah. Speaking about losing a step at his age is is extremely worrying. <laughs> to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. To, to use that exact phrase, like, must have given every Pelicans fan just chills. Like, you don't want to you don't want to hear that from a guy who's not even twenty two yet. Um. So where do where do we stand with with um with the Pelicans right now? I mean, they're they're lost. Zion might come back. I mean, the, the Rockets are, are, are much further behind them, so they're not going to be the worst team in the West. But um, where, where do we go first in terms of these bottom feeders, the Rockets or the Kings? I guess we, uh, we can go, we go Rockets first. I think we got a lot more to say on the Kings. I mean, the big story about the Rockets this week is Jalen Green going down and John Wall saying that he wants to return to the starting lineup. That that so awkward. I, I don't I don't even know what to say about it. It's such a weird attempt at reconciliation um, for this guy who's owed forty four point three million dollars this year. Um, well, he was supposed to be a mentor, right? Uh, he, he should just be on the court, actually mentoring these guys. I mean, this team needs a real playmaker. That this team looks like one of the most fundamentally confused teams on offense every single night and they need a guy like John Wall to help these young guys figure it out. So I, I don't understand why there's such a, a standoff between it. Cause Jalen green's honestly not, I mean, he's not going to learn how to play in a functional team is, is Kevin Porter Jr. going to learn that? Like how, how are these guys just going to develop on a team that doesn't even have an offensive identity? Yeah. And, and thinking of how difficult it's going to be for them to find the new home and find a trade for John Wall. Why not just get him in the team and have the likes of Porter Jr. and Green learning from a guy like him, playing off of a guy like him? That'll do wonders for those guys. And then maybe next year, 
you look at the situation where it's those two guys leading it and if they have, have to play the most of the season with a guy like John Wall, they'll be in a much better position than just coming off the back of those two guys just kind of trying to figure it out themselves. Yeah. And I mean, from a coaching perspective too, I mean, just to touch on it, like the, there's no reason why you can't run a lineup with John Wall, Kevin Porter Jr. And Jalen Green, like oh, what you're going to sacrifice defense. Dude, you're already, you're trying to lose every single game. It doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't, it makes no sense to me because we we've seen that Kevin Porter Jr. Can be a really talented secondary playmaker. We've seen that Jalen Green, can't play make. I mean, he's not going to really uh, move the needle in terms of, of assists per game for your team. So it makes no sense not to run those two guys at the wing and let John Wall rehabilitate his trade value and help these guys learn in the process. And God help poor Christian Wood, who was just a absolute beast. He's led the league in the top five as a role man for the past three years per 36 at least when he's given the chance, he's just always a beast and no one, no one can run a pick and roll for this guy. I mean, he has, he has absolutely nothing going for him. So you're not only ruining the growth of your two young players, you're ruining your new who we thought could be a potential all-star forward in Christian Wood and, and Shangun. Like they just, they need a point guard so bad. It, it makes no sense to me. I, I don't get it. Yeah, simple as that. They need a point guard. They have one sitting on the bench. Make it happen. And anything to make Chris Wood better, he's already doing He's already doing bits for me in, in, in NBA fantasy. As long as they get a point guard in, he'll be doing even better for me. So I'm all for that. Yeah. Um, and the Kings now. So we didn't really get a chance to talk too much about the Luke Walton firing. Um. It's been over-documented. If you haven't heard yet, the, the most ironic part about this whole story is the fact that the game that eventually cost the Kings their coach was the same game where a fan courtside just couldn't hold it and just puked everywhere. Um, <laughs> it, just, it seemed like the most poetic signaling of the times that you know it was, it was just too sickening to watch the Kings lose to an NBA team with zero starters. And it was just it was just a poetic end to it. Um, Luke Walton, you know, maybe he's not a bad coach, but whatever this Kings team is with Luke Walton hasn't been good from the start. And, you know, I think everyone who watched the NBA saw this coming the way the Kings have been playing. They're lost. We, we, we've we've touched on them plenty of times over the past year. And the whatever spark they've had in 2019, 2020, it's gone. It's, it, it feels completely gone. Marvin Bagley barely plays. Got a new coach in there for a week. He's still barely made a difference. The third big in the lineup. What, what, do, we, what do we do with this team right now? Uh, I really don't know. I mean, we're obviously, what, 6-11 and 11 under Walton. And, and I'll, I'll go out and say Luke Walton is just not a good coach. I mean, the Lakers gave him a shot when they were – in 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 dark times because he was he was an ex player that was hey, hey but Ronan Ronan hold there. on the Warriors won seventy two games with him <laughs> yeah sorry <laughs> no <laughs> clearly clearly it had nothing to do with them having like the best team of all time I mean Luke Walton just obviously was a uh, was was a driving force there so it's it's the Kings ruining Luke Walton's uh, career if anything. 
Yeah, I think uh, I, I don't. I think he was going in in the losing situation, regardless. <laughs> like it's it, the Kings, the way they've been run, the way things have gone for them, it's just been one mistake after another. I mean, they have eight head coaches since uh, 2012, and Walton is the only one who had a win percentage above 40. They've had 10 head coaches since their last playoff appearance, which was 15 years ago. And I mean, they've had zero winning seasons and they've gone 15 years with no with no playoffs after going eight straight seasons of making the playoffs. This is just a really badly run franchise and there's no signs that things are getting better. I mean, they've got pieces in this current team but they have no idea what the best route is to actually make something out of any of these young talents that they have. I mean, you look at Fox, 23, Halliburton, 21, Mitchell, 23, Bagley, 22. I mean, he was the former number two pick. I mean, amazingly, the Kings, throughout all this horrible period for them, they've not had the number one pick once. They've only yeah. picked in the top <laughs> three crazy. once, and that was Bagley. And now, at the moment, <laughs> who, who do you get picked before? Who do you get picked before? Uh, some guy named uh, Luka Doncic. Yeah, that guy. That guy. Uh, uh, oh God! Everything. The Kings are just they're just they're just so so badly run. Everything from top to bottom. This this franchise is just a mess. Gentry's in now. He's had previous successes. The Suns in 0910, he got to the conference finals. They lost to the Lakers. They went on to win the title. With the Pelicans 17-18, they, they went down the conference semis to the one of the best teams ever in the Warriors. So clearly he's capable of doing something. But at the end of the day, this is a this is an old timer. He's here for the short term just to kind of stem the the the, the flow here and just get them on the right track. But there is potential for the Kings to, to, to make the right move here and go in the right direction and actually find a way to have some success in their future. But they've got to do something they haven't done in a long time, and that's make some good decisions. Three words. Blow it up. Hmm. Blow it up. They should be major sellers. And the thing is, um, I think we'll, we'll definitely have the chance to talk about this soon. Um, it's too soon to really be talking trades but not for some teams because there's a lot of teams out here that think that they can contend. It's, it's, you, you could name, you could name 10 teams right now that legitimately think that they can win a title. So there's a lot of buyers. There's a lot of buyers. And if you look at the Kings roster, they're not a fundamentally bad team. They don't have fundamentally bad players up and down the roster. Tristan Thompson. I mean, it, Look, he's not a, a world eater. He's not going to change your entire team, but Tristan Thompson, the guy, who on the fringes of rotation is a really good NBA player. He's going to make an impact on a playoff team for sure. Darren Fox is still, a lot of people would still consider him to have super, superstar potential, at least all-star potential. Mm -hmm. And then you have so many assets like your Rashawn Holmes, your Harrison Barnes, who are also legitimate NBA rotation guys who a lot of teams will covet in the playoffs. They've shown that they're really good NBA players albeit on bad teams, but they do star role things that make a difference. And they already have their young core. Hal Halliburton and Mitchell are two defensive guards that I think they could seek in the future to build around 
I mean, th those are guys that if you have them around a perimeter wing type star, I mean, that those could be really good complementary uh, star role players in the future. And I mean, if they sell house now and they get into the draft, I mean, you can name a lot of guys in this year's draft that scouts are very excited about. Um, but it, it, it doesn't make sense to hold on to these guys. Things are going to get worse. It's not going to get better. I, I don't think that Gentry is going to magically fix this, but it, it, it's only going to get worse from here, I feel. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's uh, more than fair. I think uh, when it's the Kings, it's always a safe bet that it's going to get worse before it gets better regardless. <laughs> so move the team to, to Vancouver. Just put the, the Sacramento fans out of their misery. I mean, they, they've, they've tasted – like a handful of cool years. I mean, you had, you had Boogie in, in the early 20 teens, you had um, your, your, your fun white chocolate years. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they just haven't had anything functional in it feels like what, like 12 years, 15 years. Yeah. 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 Just, 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 just as simple as that. They got, they, they got, they got, they got major problems up and up and down the franchise, and uh, this is this is the time to to make to, to try and get on the right path. But somehow they managed to beat the Lakers in triple overtime. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's just that's just that's just testament to the Lakers' issues this year, isn't it? Just says everything about them. My God, and I, I love I love Anthony Davis's comments after it. Who, who, by the way, um, this. I love how things stats just fly across the internet now. He's worse in the NBA on threes, 50, shooting 15.7%, which he brought up to 18 point something percent on the Kings game. So that, that's fair. Huge. Now he's worse in the league and 38.3% mid-range shots, 33.1% on jump shots in general, also worse in the NBA. I don't know if this is a real this isn't a real regression, but it, it feels like a direct attribution to how bad their spacing has been for shooters in general. I, I think I got to blame it. I have to blame it on that. I mean, I, I don't, I don't see a lot different besides just how many double teams he's getting, how many times he's, he's having help sent to him. Yeah. And then on top of all those stats, he has also got seven 30, 30 point games this season. Only Trey, KD and Curry have more than that. So with all the issues he's having, he's still oh, finding yeah. time to be that that dominant guy. But Oh, yeah. I mean, his, his post game has gotten even better this year. I mean, I'll, I'll give him that. So, I mean, as, as a jump shooter, I'm actually – I'm pretty okay with this. But I, I think we, we, we can't deny that our expectations of Anthony Davis is to have those games, especially with LeBron James out, especially with him out. Mm. I think he slowly receded into this, you know – LeBron's running mate kind of role when no, he was supposed to be the guy alongside LeBron as he faded. Right. So you're not supposed to just be elite scoring inside. Like you've, I mean, he should be hitting these shots. Yeah, that's true. I think in my, in my head, I would thinking back now from the start, obviously the first year together, they, they won the title in the bubble. And I actually felt like AD was the dominant player and it actually looked like, that's how it was going to go. AD was going to become this superstar. LeBron was going to, going to regress just, just a little bit as he went into his, uh, his final years in the league. But since that title win, AD has just kind of fallen off. Like ultimately you're kind of looking at it now 
was them winning the title in that first year the worst thing that could have happened to AD and the Lakers? Uh, I never liked looking like that. Once you have success, you just got to enjoy the success. But since that, AD has, has dropped off. Injuries have played a part in that too. But there's been a drop off there in AD's mindset and overall performance. And I think he's really got to get clued in. He's really got to step up now. This, this is, this could easily just, this could easily be his team, but he's not, he's not performing to the level that it needs to be. Hey, I mean, as he said it, right? Like all they have to do is win 10, 15 games straight and the narrative changes. Easy peasy. (laughs) (laughs) It's like they're running out of things to say at the end of games. Um, Besides like, you know, eventually once you peel off all the excuses, they're just going to be like, listen, I didn't ask for Russell Westbrook to be on this team. I didn't, I didn't ask for, for me to get double teamed all year. Uh, That'll be the the final thing they have to say about it. But they just, they have no real excuses anymore for losing this badly. I mean, they've had top three easy schedule this season. It was almost like they're being handed an easy path back to the top seed and they've just completely squandered it. Man, what, what would what would a guy like Caruso or a shooter like Heald do for this team to unlock how good these guys can and should be? It, it, it'd be we'll never know. unbelievable. Orlando is one of the, one of the great great unanswerable questions of, of what this what this Lakers team could have been. That that that, that will be that will it will come back to something like that. Yeah, even Alonzo. If they had a Caruso Alonzo, they would be they'd be running the league right now. Um, so we, we, we have to stop here. We, we're a little short on time, but we, we will talk about, uh, the Suns in a couple of days. Um, and, and I think that, uh, I don't know, Ronan, what, do we have anything else we got to go over? I think we got to talk about that, 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 that big tall guy out in, uh, out in Dallas. We forget him. Oh my God. Forgot all about Chris Esposingas. <laughs> That was, that was supposed to be our header. This is supposed to be the, the main guy I was talking about. Well, you know, I forgot is because, you know, I was, I was going to cheer you up after being all sad about the Knicks. I was going to cheer you up with some Chris Tazprazingas talk. <laughs> um, so <laughs> we'll end on KP. We'll end on a semi-good note. The, the Mavs, who have been a big question mark in terms of who they should be, they're breaking records left and right the past couple of years, being an offensive force. And KP nowhere to be found. And the past 10 games, he's been a beast. He's he and Kat are the only two guys to be putting up point numbers like 22 points a game, eight rebounds a game, two three-pointers and a block. And he's not shooting at the best percentage of his career, but he's doing his offense much more aggressively than we've seen him do. So I mean, just looking at the sample size we have in front of us for this season. I mean, do you think that he's legitimately gotten better? Um, since since he's come back from the injury this this year, I would say yeah, he's come back like a like a guy with a chip on his shoulder. He's returned from a five game spell on the sideline, looking like a guy who finally got the motivation that he needed to really kick on. I mean, questions have been levied at him since he's returned from the ACL injury that he, uh, that he first joined Dallas with, and he has not answered them in any way, shape or form. 
you know me I, I always like to be positive about KP I always like to to believe in the unicorn and I mean it, over the last 10 games and he's had four games at 25 plus he even had a seven assist game against the Suns obviously they came out on the wrong end of that but that's uh, that's that's not KP at all like that was that was pretty pretty impressive but but the, the main thing is you're starting to see KP and Lucas start to actually show signs of being a legit duo. And that's not really something that we've seen. Yeah, that, that's that's what we needed. Um, and you see moments of it. And, and I think that's the thing that's frustrating right now is um, I don't think we have a sample size big enough to see what their two-man game ends up being because it, they just run that play so infrequently. Um, and you, you see the other night uh, with with KP and Luca, they have this, this pick and pop and Luca gets a mismatch or Luca gets a mismatch and has to stop his dribble. And on the give and go with him and, and KP, like KP just touch pass, whips it right into the pocket and Luca and one. And that's, that's a play like that, that you don't see very often. And I think, I think that's the tough thing about the, the eye test. It's because the eye test is we, we tend to get drawn to these things, especially when we have already in our minds a theory of who these guys are and what it should be like. And I, I think it leads us straight because I, I think the tough thing is watching his games. I've felt, I've had this just gut feeling like he's been playing so much better. This is exactly who he is. He's back. But it's it's tough to really believe it when you look at the numbers. Um, and I, I wouldn't say one thing that has been better. I'll, I'll start with the positive is his rebound rate. Offensive rebound rate has been way better. He should be get fighting for those boards. I mean, he's grabbing nearly three a game down the stretch. Um, but then you see he has moments like he has against Washington. I mean, he's just got smaller bigs on him like Gafford and Harrell, who are just animals, animals in the paint. And KP's just nowhere to be found. And there's he's getting completely extinguished on the glass when he's like a foot taller than both of them. And it kind of shows in the numbers. I mean, on offense, as a post player pretty much kind of the same guy. He's 58th percentile last year. He's 54th percentile this year. And if you look at his numbers, I mean, he's pretty average for a guy who's, what is he, 7'5", seven, 7'4"? Seven, seven, I, I don't even remember I think, he's, I think he's listed a 7'3". With the, seven, yeah, three. It's probably, probably a few extra inches there, too. I'm thinking yeah. Taco Fall. <laughs> <laughs> but how, how's he done as a role man? This year, he's only 50% of the possessions leads to a bucket. That puts him well below any starting big in the NBA. Um, if you look at him as a spot-up shooter, he's even gotten worse. And it doesn't – I think what makes sense to me is he's been a little bit more dynamic with shooting off the dribble. He's attacking closeouts and shooting mid-range instead of attacking the paint. Um, and he's had some He's had some flashes – of really getting downhill like he used to in New York, like not caring and just getting right to the bucket. Um, but I think the numbers show that he's still he's still inefficient as a post player. He's still inefficient as a pick and roll player. And his spot up shooting is still iffy. The three things that we really wanted to see from him be improved this year have not shown any signs of improvement. And for him to have a blip in his production, doesn't feel encouraging to me when they're not coming from the sources that you know 
they should be. I mean, these a lot of these feel like outlier games as opposed to a real development in his style of play. Yeah, I think that, that that's definitely fair. I think uh, with, with with Porzingis, I think it all it all just comes back to to mentality. I think it, it's a big component. Mentality is what you hear all, all, all the big all the best players talk about. Uh, the, the mentality they had, their 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 ability to just zone in, and their ability to to, to work hard and make sure they worked harder than everyone else. And unfortunately, Porzingis just does not have that. And if he does, uh, I haven't seen it in uh, three or four years because it's uh, all those little things that you talked about—the battle on the boards when you're going up against a guy like like a Harrell or something—you have to really want that. I mean. Yeah, you might be bigger than them. Everything's just kind of always seemed to have come easy for for Porzingis, and now he's being tested, and he's just not doing enough to show everyone why he was called the unicorn, why everyone thought so highly of this this outrageous seven foot three guy who's who physically could have could have been as athletic or as as dominant as someone like Giannis, but he just hasn't. He just hasn't got the head down. Obviously, he had the the bad injury, but he just hasn't done done what he should have done. He, he he's I don't know if he's not got the right people around him. What it is with him, but I think it's when, physics. When I look it's at him, physics, I, I, I think mentality is is a big issue with him. I mean, look 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 at how how lanky is. He hasn't filled in really at all, and guys like Harold, guys like Daniel Gafford have just a much stronger core center of gravity. And they're just so, he's so easily displaced on these post-ups. He's so easily boxed out um, and he hasn't gotten stronger. He, he hasn't, he hasn't looked bigger the way that you see Jaron Jackson Jr. He came in super lanky and now he's really looking filled out. Yeah. He, he he's looks much stronger on, on those box outs in the post, but that strength hasn't really come for Przingis. And I don't think it ever will. I, I don't think, you know, his, his body will allow him to be a good role man. Even though we see how, how tall he is and how, how lanky he is, even though we see him hit, shoot these like super 35 footers, he, I want to say he's a better, he has almost as good of a percentage on, on 35 footers as he does 30 footers. I, I, I'll have to double check that, but it, it feels like his touch hasn't gotten better there either, but I, I think we're going to talk buyer sellers at some point. I, I think he's a guy that if on the Mavs and I'm looking at this blip, if I can sell him high and get something that makes more long-term sense for Luca, I'm doing that heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sell high. Yeah. Have to, if they can, if they can say hi, it's definitely, definitely got to be in their head because Luca, let's be real here. It's all about Luca. Whatever is best for Luca is what the Dallas Mavericks need to do. So I think we hit it all. I mean, there, there's no other other secret players that I'm still disappointed in that we have to talk about. Um, we got the Nets and Suns coming in hot Tuesday night. And we also might want to talk about the Knicks. So we'll 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 let the we'll let the Knicks and Nets play. We'll we'll, we'll see how you react in there on, yeah, on Wednesday. Let's, uh, let's hope it's not a it's, it's not a painful night for me where we're playing in Brooklyn, which is probably a bonus for us because my God, when we're at home, it's uh, it's it's even it's even it's even it's even harder to watch these days. But uh, hopefully, 
we can get up for it's a it's a local derby, you know. It's uh, the, the two New York teams. That should be motivation for this team to really kick on and get back to what they were doing last year. And it, need, it needs to happen. They got to they got to turn a corner somehow. So let, let's lock in our projections here. Suns, Warriors. I I got. I got the Suns. I got Suns here. I think Aiton's going to turn up. Oh yeah. Well, if he can, that 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 that'd be big. Because what I see now of him, he's playing a lot like a frustrated figure. He's playing like a guy who's got that 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 contract on on his mind. But yeah, I'm probably gonna go with Golden State, just because I think the winning streak has to come to an end at some point. You know, 16 wins in a row. It's absolutely outrageous, and now they're coming up against. Steph Curry and the best defense in the NBA. I think this could be the time that the yeah that the that the streak ends. Huge proving grounds for both these teams because they are right there at the bottom of the league in terms of strength of schedule. They've had really easy teams only if and they've had good wins too, but but huge statement wins for either of these teams. Whoever wins, mm-hmm. um, I I hope your Knicks survive. I think they 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 deserve they deserve a win, especially with all the uncertainty going on. Kevin Walker's first time being out of the rotation in God knows how long. And it comes in barely his 20th game as a Nick. We'll yeah. see how that works out. Let, let, uh, 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 kind of worried about Burks as a starter. I always like him as, as, as our clutch bench guy, but uh, hopefully he can deliver something similar as a starter. Yeah. Well, all right, guys, that'll do it for us. We will see you Wednesday morning. Enjoy the NBA games tonight. And tomorrow we'll be right back with some more hot content. Peace. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Coast to Coast. Don't forget to hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at Coast to Coast NBA Podcast to hear your takes discussed right here on the show. And remember, take every shot and love every moment.